1.81 trillion photos are taken worldwide every year, which equals 57,246 per second or 5 billion photographs a day. Welcome to Sipping Socrates, where we have a warm Socratic discussion over a cup of coffee. We are Manan and Parv, and today is 9th February 2023, and we will be talking about pictures and photographs. So it's kind of crazy how we've come so long. Um, you know, we've been trying to, for the longest time, communicate our ideas in as effective ways as possible. And the earliest thing I can think about when it comes to language is the idea of using symbols to portray meaning and to share information with each other. I mean, we've we've known about cavemen and like their ways of expressing language and information throughout the ancient times. We've had ancestors who've used pictures and some sort of illustrations on caves, literally, that we've preserved for so long that seem to have been an attempt to communicate with other people, right? And I'm, I'm assuming this used to be a way to, uh, an, an alternative to language, perhaps, um, where, you know, we've seen that in the Egyptian civilizations, we've had hieroglyphics, for example, where there were small symbols used to communicate information with each other. So the origins of how important pictures and photographs are, are go way back in time and have been fundamental in our idea of understanding language right now. So Manan, if I get that right, are you talking about pre-language times, before, before humans were introduced to language? Exactly. And so we think right now that language is just words and phrases and even terminology sometimes. But do you think you could have been able to communicate some information better using symbols and languages like they used to before? Right. I think the origin of language came with first expressing expressing to other humans with bodily actions. So I think that came first. And then from bodily actions we how they were visual representation of somehow what we wanted we transitioned to to putting that actions somewhere because a lot of the um the carvings that we see in in these uh, pyramids or or stone walls or caves is in fact of 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 humans of humans in different positions and forms. Do you think that is the origin? I think it's a fascinating topic to explore because imagine like if if I were if I were to tell you that I don't know, Av- Avinash said something to me and just imagine me drawing like a stick figure of Avinash just like moving his hands around uh, <laughs> panicking or something. That would be quite hilarious, right? But no, that's exactly what I think it is. I think they use some animals even like pictorial representations of animals to explore certain topics. I think in in, in ancient Egypt, uh, praying to the supernatural was so important, right? And they used to draw these like sphinx cats. Uh, I think that's a huge like pictorial and like 
uh, a very important symbol in how they used to communicate information. So I think entire scriptures have eventually come from our understanding of how we view the world around us. And by view, I mean physically see the world around us. And so in an attempt to recreate that, to like transmit meaning and transmit information, they came up with pictures and symbols to convey uh, what we know through language. Right. And even in Mandarin today, um, we have symbols and not letters or alphabets. So do you think that writing or is also photo that's interesting so what would you classify as a picture is essentially what you're coming to yeah so is is everything that you see a picture is are words pictures in themselves that that have associated are words pictures with sounds associated to them yeah i mean essentially that's what forms language do you think language would be physically present or would happen without our ability to perhaps see, right? Like mm-hmm. our ability to see fundamentally creates how we then read, for example, how we then write, for example, yes. how we do anything, for example. So I think that's what we're getting at. It's like, what counts as a picture? Do individual letters count as pictures when we're trying to like read or write or like transmit information? It's a very interesting idea to explore. Yeah, but I disagree with what you just said. I disagree that languages are heavily dependent on what we see because we know that Braille exists. Right. So different touches, different different um, surfaces right. are also languages and associated with sounds. I feel like we're now just getting into a podcast about languages. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I feel like whenever we talk, whenever we get together and talk about such interesting things, there's so much connecting different things. And so we want to explore all of it. Right. Um, but, but when it comes to, I think, pictures and photographs, there's so much more to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. There is um, from the inception, from older photographs to modern day photographs what they mean the kind of values they hold there are so many themes that we can discover and i think that's therein lies the one of the most powerful things about pictures and photographs it's that we can use these pictures to tell us a story about something that has happening in that era for example or an emotion that can be conveyed um even like data that can be represented, right? We're going to get to that soon. But I think history has a huge role to play in photographs, for example. Because if you see a photograph about something that is happening in the past, you can actually narrate a story about it. Yeah, a picture speaks a thousand words. Exactly. And we're going to get to that as, as and when we get through the podcast. But for example... I was researching, right? And I saw that there was this picture um, called The Terror of War by Nick Ert in 1972. And it it actually represents a bunch of crying children who are being chased around by American soldiers in the Vietnam War. But something that I found really interesting was they managed to capture napalm as, it, as we know it. Um, 
for our viewers who don't know napalm is um napalm is a type of chemical warfare that was used by the americans in the vietnam war and it was really explosive um it caused wildfires to um uh to places and it's it's a bit too real when you look at the photograph it's it actually lets you in on what was happening then and it, it can be used as powerful sources of secondary information in history yes i agree a lot of historical movements a lot of movements that holds a lot of value for people that have defined modern society have have somehow been connected to or associated to or started because of some very powerful pictures by great great artists that is also true uh i mean imagine like do you think we had the technology to take a picture of what what earth looks like from the moon when we first got there i mean do you think pictures give people evidence of some sort that the unthinkable has happened think about muhammad ali's photo the poster picture that everyone remembers muhammad ali by right now when he was when he had you know won against sunny liston for example in 1965 where he has his um right arm all over his chest uh trying to establish dominance for example over his recent victory or how important do you think uh pictures are in explaining what happened in uh you know the in 911 for example where united airlines flight 175 was approaching the new york world trade center i think these changed the course of how we remember history and the events that took place at that time yes photographs are very influential in that way they are essentially tilting the earth's axis some of them are so powerful as in the entire humanity as a race changes its direction and course and and what it's thinking about how they are investing their time in because of some photographs um we've all seen the photograph of of the foot that neil armstrong set on the moon for the first time the footprint on the moon and the slogan that come with it if you mind saying that one yeah uh a small step for a man a man a giant le- a leap for mankind is that what it yeah, is yeah exactly yeah. that is <laughs> what it is um but even like if you think about the cultural implications of pictures right you have such powerful photographs of people migrating huge amounts of immigrants in the war or perhaps even pictures that were taken in world war 1 or world war 2 to send thousands of miles across from the battle line or the front line where you know soldiers used to fight day in and day out to their loved ones for example so there has to be some sort of social significance to photographs as well where you keep a photo of someone that you love in your wallet for example carry some sort of emotional value to you um so it's not only a powerful source of information when it comes to history but it's also something that carries emotional and social value right so i think now we have established that a picture and a photograph can have multiple different types of values it can hold an emotional value 
as a soldier can have a photo of his family in his wallet right in their wallet and then um uh it can hold scientific value as in graphs that scientists and uh different experts use um photo can have monetary value as in art can be sold i think that's sold. beautiful that you brought that up yeah are we talking about non fungible tokens right here nfts we we might we just, might just we might just let's bring that into mix while we're at it nfts have has has defined late 2020 when how it just blew up and then eminem coming in with the monkey if you know what i mean yeah 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 absolutely and then you have these uh, influencers just jumping on and trying to um make as much value of it as possible and i think nfts is one that is kind of um uh it's kind of on the edge like there has not been a a certain type of objective viewpoint to it but people have been jumping on the bandwagon and trying to make them as valuable as possible um or at least attempted to i think it's given um artists a, a platform to sort of um introduce that to the virtual world wanna let me ask you a question yeah Do you think NFT is a pump and dump scheme? I mean that's not how it came out to be, right? It came out to be this creative platform for artists to try and sell their artwork through blockchain. I think that's what it was. And now it's like a pump and dump it scheme, right? Cuz value as we know it it's not objective. It depends on what people find valuable at that time. And so context is very important in my opinion. Okay so do you think there are still certain NFTs that have their intrinsic value quote unquote and some other NFTs that do not hold the same amount of intrinsic value or aren't worth anything but are part of this pump and dump scheme Absolutely I mean it's like it's kind of like stocks at that point right like yeah it's yeah people have been like just buying stuff that doesn't really mean that much to them um like creativity wise or don't have any personal connection but is used as just this monetary asset that they that they can hold and then dump as soon as they hit profits <laughs> but yeah that's that's so interesting um i'm glad you brought that in so now that we're talking about nfts let's talk about modern day pictures let's talk about emojis we were just talking about how how words might be pictures or how letters alphabet symbols in different languages might be in pictures in themselves that have somehow associated to a sound do you think these emojis or gifs as a lot of us use these days are pictures absolutely and so we were just talking like you said about uh, evolution of language and how we use different tools that come in our way from right from like body language to the way we speak to words to literature to like pictures how they can be used as effective forms of communication and i think emojis have completely changed the way we talk on social media they're essentially just pictures but they convey very explicitly a type of emotion and one thing that i've you know found it challenging is have you ever tried teaching your parents what individual emojis mean it's so hard right like how can you put an emotion into first of all a word and that word then convert it into a pictorial form using an emoji have you how do you explain to your parents what the teary eyed emoji means yeah this reminds me of a of a anecdote where in 
in our in a group with my relatives someone wanted to point to the message up and instead of the pointing up index finger a relative sent a pointing up middle finger <laughs> and all of the kids um who were in the group in their own group chat were like yo what is auntie on <laughs> yeah what has she done today she's out for blood <laughs> uh and so 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 that's the thing right like so we're trying to get at this point where we know pictures can mean a lot more than words and sentences right we've talked about that a, you know a single uh, action can you know mean a lot more than a thousand words a single picture can portray is more than a thousand emotions right we've talked about that but do you think sometimes that's a disadvantage it's it opens up so many layers of percep- perceptions that when we're trying to objectively communicate some information for example um i don't need 10000 emojis to tell the other person how sad i am i don't need to tell them well sometimes emojis get confusing right they get perplexing for the other person to like oh what is what are they trying to say especially when you're not from this context of being brought up and nurtured by in a context where the environment around you is so efficient at using digital communication if i was like a boomer right now i'd be so isolated from the way we speak i'd be so confused with how we how the modern day you know person talks and i would just feel isolated i would not know what any of these emojis mean um and i would not know how to use them so do you think perhaps pictures as a form of communication nowadays kind of distorts meaning in what you're trying to say meaning of what meaning of okay well for example do i need to add a particular emoji when i'm being sarcastic on text you don't have to but it helps right but okay well if it helps then which one should i use like i understand it yeah. you probably do right but if i was someone like 40 years old or 50 years old who is not used to communicating through pictures and you know like my it's less like sometimes my parents and other family members use like proper punctuation in text messages and it it's like completely different to how we text right if i if i see someone using a semicolon in a text i'd be like whoa that's crazy um and i've been told that some some of the times i've been told that people who know me very well and actually think that i talk to formally on text because i use like my full stops and commas i don't know if you do the same but what if the way we use emojis in language kind of makes it a little bit difficult to read between the lines of what you're trying to say i think it's that the older generations yeah who haven't texted enough or texted later in the life because we have been introduced to texting ever since we were a child mm-hmm. so they've just not been exposed to these new pictures and therefore don't know what these pictures mean just kind of like how both of us wouldn't know what several pictures mean in a museum but we learn about them mm-hmm. right so i think it's more about that speaking of things that my parents would not know and to this day 
best to me every time i go home is to teach them social media and social media let's face it is heavily dependent on pictures these days what who can post the more most beautiful picture who can more post a better quality picture and a lot of people associate social media as to i have to have very good pictures in order to have a good social media account so what do you what are your thoughts on social media and its correlation with pictures i think it's so accurate how you say that people want the more aesthetic pictures nowadays to portray a better life that they're trying to represent on social media um one thing that i find really interesting is how we take pictures has changed throughout time um i now like if someone told if someone told someone in the 1800s that mirror selfies would exist it would it would be kind of crazy right because wh- why do you need to take a picture of yourself looking at a mirror right like these side of these type of things are obviously contextual and they're driven but the way we sort of portray information using pictures has changed drastically i mean obviously you have like people who are taking aesthetic photographs of like the landscape and like of each other but simple things like now taking a selfie that focuses hyper focuses on just one specific part of your body is so it's culture driven right it's it's a form of art now to take different and quirky photographs and upload them on social media but i think what we are trying to get at is do you think there has been an increase in the number of photographs that we take in general and w- what impact does that have on us yes so so my problem with social media and photographs is not that you want it to be most aesthetic and most beautiful lovely i i want all of that obviously when i open open instagram or facebook or or twitter or any other social media app i want to see beautiful things or better things that that helps me um uh, connect to what the photograph is about but it's not about being more beautiful it's about being more meaningful i want to see a photograph that is more meaningful and and more meaningful to the person who's posting it imagine this okay let's let's take it back a decade or so when we used to have uh, when we used to have those cameras with with reels in it actually not a decade ago maybe two decades ago when we used to have cameras with reels in it and you could only take a certain amount of pictures and then every single picture has to be thought and everyone has to get in and poses everyone ready 3 2 1 kick and then on the at the, uh, the end of the week you go you go to the the shop to develop those photos and then the next day you go back to pick those photos and there was a lot of effort that went into generating what 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 we call a photograph back then and then everyone would everyone who was associated or knew about the photographs or was in the photograph or wanted to share the photograph would sit around a couch or somewhere and s- slowly everyone would one after the other look at a photo make comments on it make make have a good time cherish them tell a story about them but now all it takes is to swipe phones phone screens go to the uh, camera app and take a picture now i 
personally have probably more than 10,000 photos in my gallery. How many of them have I seen and how many of them have I shared with my friends and told a story about probably less than 500, maybe 100. How many of them have I shared on my social media? Probably five. How many of out of those I have archived? Four. So actually present just one. So as we've increased the quantity of photos we're taking, somehow, somewhere do you think the quality and how we connect with the photos have 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 lost its meaning yeah oh yeah and i i wholeheartedly agree with what you said right we used to have and we still do uh, i remember from my childhood some very very specific memories that have been captured and we have a physical photograph of them i know polaroids are a thing now uh, and you know almost everyone owns one uh, or at least the people who are really interested in owning a physical copy do but it's rare now that we actually share our the truest photos that we have, the most raw photos that we have with the ones that are close to us. And the reason for that is because, well, we want to show our best self on social media to some extent. And so a lot of the really good memories that we have, even though they might not be the best photo, might just be lost in your photo gallery of 10,000 photos. And it's kind of sad because there are some core memories that you sort of associate with that moment. Mm-hmm. That we that you would like to com- communicate with other people and share with other people, but because social media has this has become this place where everyone has to conform to portraying a certain side of themselves. That even I don't know how many times you've noticed, but I've had so many friends delete all their f- pictures from their own social media account from like years ago. It it baffles me. I, it's because we're trying to show a certain version of the ourselves to other people that I think the number of photographs that you've taken reduces in increases in quantity but reduces in value yes and about the Polaroid thing that you just mentioned it's funny how I know so many people who take Polaroids and then take digital photos of the Polaroids and then post it on social media yeah I don't I mean see that's the thing we want to share the best version of our lives with other people and i think social media to a huge extent has catalyzed that to the point where we don't step back and think about the value of each photograph um but also on the flip side do you think instagram and other applications like that has allowed people who actually take photographs for a living to express uh their work or like use in that platform as a way to put their work on the internet for other people to view oh yes of course there's that aspect that a lot of people don't generally think about when they think of social media and photographs right i i have so many friends who have started their photography page and um have amazing work that they post and then they generate this sort of community and then connect with different photographers for opportunities and then meet them and then communicate about these other photography events that happen and go to them together and really make a career in taking pictures. But overall with social media, our way of experience thing, experiencing things 
has become less focused and more mindless because we're not living in the moment anymore we're living in the next moment where we just want to capture that perfect uh, that perfect shot when i go out to see that new iron man or marvel movie i want to capture that marvel coming so that i can post it and share it to my friends right and then we share these photos to facebook instagram um and then the visuals of the sto- of the photograph are more are more what influences uh, influences more than the actual experience of being at the place and that is some of my critique to social media absolutely and i think one good example of what you just said was uh can can't not bring up the app of snapchat or bdl when you're talking about photographs right um how real is bdl do you think i think being fake on bdl is the new trend i i i actually agree with that and you know the thing about bdl is that we already know the impact that social media has on our life but something specific is this used to happen in snapchat as well you i'm sure you've heard of snapchat streaks right where you you just use send one snap per day to that one person and you know maintain a streak with them and while we are attempting to be more connected with that person we go like oh i have a 600 day streak with this person well how much of it has involved you actually showing what you're up to in that day and if anything how does that one snap of you your face being blurred or like some random place that you're in at that random time portrays your true life to that person that you're trying to be connected with and i never got around the idea of sending nothing just a blank black photo or some weird photo that does not has any content in it and then writing a s on it so that the other person knows that it's streaks like what is it for what what is it accomplishing why are you doing this yeah and so the, again if you were like 40 or 50 years old right now parv you would just be looking at these youngsters <laughs> just doing mindless things and you know what's funny is like okay well you would be so isolated but you would try to find meaning in what these people are doing but they wouldn't know themselves and so when you call someone else a boomer in like a very derogatory or condescending tone it doesn't make any sense anymore because you yourself are like why am i doing these things and with something as beautiful as snapchat i think it has tried to make us feel like we need to make our life more valuable or more exciting and it obviously contributes to fear of missing out but i think be real is a good one because be real literally stands for trying to be real but the fact of the matter is your life on an everyday basis can't be that exciting for you to try and get some reaction out of it right it's really not and then i have i have some friends who actually just don't open bdl even if they see the notification that it's time to be real save it for for 3 hours later when they have a lunch planned with a friend or 4 hours later when they're going out to see a movie because that's more exciting because that is what people want to see and because that is what will attract more comments and um, therefore is a better th- thing to post right and i i find i find it so so amusing when people f- have failed attempts at capturing the right b real so they like 
they like close the app or like they press like the cross button um and you know then they try to like uh retake that same photo i think to some extent photos do have a nice place to hold in terms of preserving the emotion connected to it but it's so important for us to remember to be authentic yeah. and to be real uh when capturing those even if it's not the most excited feeling i think it's important to accept that not every photo has to be the best photo that you take it it just has to be real yeah so ultimately i think what consensus i understood of this discussion was that photos are meant to capture good things in life but good things doesn't necessarily have to look the best mm-hmm. as long as they a, a a picture captures a good emotion a good thought a good place it's worth sharing yeah almost as if you don't want all the pictures to be quote unquote staged right but talking about staging photographs um how many people do you think actually choreograph exactly what goes on to the frame to portray a certain perspective of life many isn't that what photo shoots are about interesting photo shoots are a gr- really good one cuz on one hand you can say it's artistic mm-hmm. it involves creativity to capture the perfect frame right but on the other hand how authentic it is so what do you think are the trade offs between trying to be authentic and trying to explore creativity and artistic features in through your photographs yeah so whenever we talk about photography cinematography and all of these um, things that have to do with viewing the world with a lens right it always comes with a argument of its oh it's very creative it's very artsy it's very new it's very imaginative and all of these these terms but but then there is there is a place for photography schools as well where objectively some some photos are bad and some photos are good where objectively you have to capture this amount of the foreground this amount of the middle ground and this amount of the background and the and the and the sunlight needs to be a certain way and the lighting from that part has to hit just this right angle if it does not then it is wrong do you have thoughts on this um this objectification of of photography as a art yeah so i mean you're talking about the technicality of the entire process right yeah you're talking about the rule of thirds for example and the lighting and i think it's it's an interesting one i think photography and pictures are a medium and photography is a is a tool and so that tool can be wielded in whatever opinion you like whatever way you want um and i think people should have the opportunity to sort of choose how they want to wield the tool personally speaking because i have talked a lot about being authentic i would want to choose or like employ or use these tools in a way that i'm authentic but other people may not and so there's this idea that okay well why do you watch movies or television like why do you watch fiction for example because to some extent you want to escape your current reality and pursue um 
experiences where you you where you have something to look forward to besides the normal everyday shebang right you want for example why do we why do we find excitement in action thrillers because we want to feel that amount of adrenaline adrenaline and excitement in in whatever we are experiencing but i think to a deeper level how do you think media stages photographs media stages photographs do i agree with that to some extent yes a lot of times we know or at least uh, i've heard from from people back home in india that certain media channels support certain political parties and therefore shows only the context and the background and the pictures that are associated to that party being uh, the positive figure and the opposition being negative so media has a lot of power very influential and uh, and and does does influence how how not only does not just influence what photographs they show but also influences how you look at a photograph it can be the same 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 photo but with a completely different interpretation yeah yeah and narratives are so easily manipulated through uh photographs right you can explore a whole new story to the same photograph depending on how you see it and i think that's a huge part of editing photographs i want to know your quick opinion on what what do you think about editing something that is as raw unfiltered and natural as for example landscapes editing um is a lot of photographers and people who generate content for commercial purposes actually say that editing is like 80% of their tasks mm-hmm. 20% is taking the photo or the video but then a majority of things are done while editing the photo now i'm very unaware of the technicalities that go into actually generating a commercial commercially worthy and monet a photograph that holds monetary value that can be sold um but editing is very prevalent very significant significant to what the final and the to what the final outcome of the of the photo is right and i brought editing up just to sort of connect it to our earlier point with how media uses photographs now imagine the power that you hold over public opinion and thoughts and how they feel when you have something as powerful as a photograph or a picture that we previously mentioned speaks so loudly compared to words and you have the power to edit them and so we've talked about political propaganda we've talked about how important big companies use this to their advantage uh to sort of shape public opinion and thoughts and feelings and so it's almost as if they're trying to create an illusion so they are trying to manipulate how you view a certain situation through these tools like editing to portray a completely different sense of reality so speaking of editing pictures and politics at the same time i remember stumbling upon this article which 
which had two photos of um, ex-president Barack Obama. One in which he, uh, he, his skin looks a little darker and one in which the skin looks a little bit whiter or paler. And um, doing research on it, a lot of people said that people are more likely to vote on the paler Obama than the than the than the darker looking Obama. So then, photographs are staged to manipulate people for sure, and in not just political contexts. But even if you've been to Ripley's, yeah, a lot of pictures. Um, if if you've seen those pictures, that if you that that claim that if you're left brain, you'll see this. If you're right brain, then you'll see this. Yeah. Uh, what are your opinions on these um, these happy illusions or or these very quirky little photographs? So I think illusions bring us to this point where now we discuss instead of solely pictures and photographs, we discuss limitations of human sight. Right. So there's a particular way that are it's important to know the difference between sensation and perception. The thing that you view is not necessarily the thing that you perceive. And what I mean by that is, for example, mirages. Right. You can see a mirage. But I don't know if that would pop up in a camera if you take a picture of one. So our human sight has these limitations and a human brain has these limitations where um, there are illusion, visual illusions that we can look into to understand the effect of how our brain cannot accurately portray reality just by viewing a picture. And those are limitations of uh, human sensation and perception. Uh, and I think a brain is somehow wired a different way to see specific things. I think there are different animals who can view really, really far distances um, and it's so important to like compare our anatomy to theirs because I think sight is as equally as equally as important as just the picture or the photographs itself, and it changes our interpretation of what reality could be. It it perhaps even distorts it to some extent. So when you mentioned brain and interpretation of photos, I remember sitting in um, seventh or eighth grade biology class and learning about the human eye. And the teacher would go, so our eyes, uh, what lens do we have in our eye? Convex? Yeah. yeah. And so we, we have the ability to change our lens uh, fatter and shorter or thinner and longer. No, so but have... what I know is that our eye produces inverted images, right? Yeah. And then our brain is uh, wired to flipping that around right. and, and seeing the world how we see it and, yeah. not, and not you on the ceiling. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then, after ever ever since I learned that, I always thought, is there a way I can see inverted images now? Can I can I shut that part up because I want to see what I actually see and not my brain is is making me see. <laughs> um, so there are people who have visual de- deficits in their brain who perhaps sometimes can't even see the entire left eye or right eye vision, right? Um, and I think the part of the brain that controls it, there's a specific pathway uh, um, that controls visual uh, processing um, and so we were just learning up I just learned about this today in class actually um, that, that did you know that there's a deficit um, where you can't see or recognize a person's face 
Um, I just learned it about it in class, actually. I should be remembering the term. Uh, I think it's uh, facopragnosia or some, something, something to do with not being able to recognize faces. And I think that's so cool because now every time we take a photo on our phones, Google Photos recognizes the face and uh, attaches it to like an album of pictures that you have with that particular person. And it's so creepy. Um, and it's interesting. What would you do if you couldn't recognize faces? What would I do if I couldn't recognize faces? So, so these people with this condition, how do, do they recognize people by their then physical features, as in the color of the hair, the size of the hair, the the body shapes? So the way I think my... that's what I would do, looking at people's body shapes to identify them, or maybe certain other features and qualities, maybe voices. Yeah, so like obviously other sensations get more powerful when you lose out on one. I think that's the way that we adapt ourselves to a deficit in sensation. But the way my professor sort of described this was this person called patient CK had had this sort of um, inability to recognize faces. And every time he used to see a mirror, he could not identify who he was. He could not know, he could not identify himself, his identity, where he came from. And to some extent, I think it's to do with memory loss as well. But inability to recognize faces, would that, how do you think that changes your perception of photographs? I don't think I would be able to live with myself knowing that I have to try and like put an effort into remembering who I am if I can't identify my face. I Have you seen that very famous um, set, set of two photos, a pair of photos that Abraham Lincoln and then... Um, Flipped Abraham Lincoln. So from where left is left, right is right, and then right is left, left is right. Uh-huh, yeah. Or like horizontally flipping. Right. Instead of vertically flipping the photo. Yeah. And both of them look like two different people. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it, no. It's, it's, it's I or at least to my understanding, it's very popular. Okay. Because Abraham Lincoln was showed a picture of himself, horizontally flipped, and he did not recognize who that person was. So that is funny part. But then you mentioned um, everyone sees a photograph differently and, and visuals differently. Humans humans see different... Different kind of humans, first of all, see different visuals differently. And then animals can see visuals differently. And then you mentioned that uh, Google Photos can recognize faces. So AI... Uh, is now seeing photos so it's not just living things it's also artificial intelligence that is is understanding and perceiving from photos manan what are your opinions on tech and photograph and visual cues i think so nowadays you've you might have you might have seen on instagram is scrolling uh people are using ai to perform art uh where they go like oh i use ai to come up with like different versions of this character in different ways like oh i use ai to perform like a themed art uh based on for example i saw this photo um of like different footballers for how they would look like when they would be like 70 years old from different like um nations and so obviously you had messi ronaldo etc but i think photos and technology are an interesting thing to explore because now we're looking, and I think this connects back to like the NFT thing that we're talking about. We're using technology to make art, to make pictures, to make photographs. Um, 
so there's this idea of using tech to manipulate or explore the possibilities of uh photos uh in technology i think it it can be a, a very powerful tool i think it already ex- like is already used to be extremely powerful um and i think going forward it's an exciting prospect to sort of n- try and explore how we can use technology and photographs in a way that is that respects privacy i think what you know all these uh, companies are doing is they're trying to get actual data on what we look like um using scanners etc to try and classify each photo into like different people um that we know for example google photos as i mentioned that and i mentioned that before uh let me let me give you another example of how ai is using photos have you ever done captcha yeah i'm sure you have have you realized how captcha only gives you or generally gives you photos of transportation vehicles streets traffic lights buses crossings trains um boats have you ever noticed that yeah have you ever noticed that there has been no other theme than this yeah so here is my thesis i don't know how much of this is true this might also be public knowledge but this is what i've not read about this formally but are humans in the name of capture being used as a a live learning algorithms for ai so that we give uh we give we are giving ai practicing data set so that the ai can then learn what is a street what is a traffic light what is a pedestrian crossing what is a car bus cycle and then further companies like say tesla takes this data feeds them into their supercomputers somehow do some engineering and then voila comes out a brand new tesla which does not need a driver i think that's very plausible it wouldn't be that far uh, a stretch to think that that would that would be what's going on because essentially like self driving cars use their own sensors use their own photo- like photographs to understand um that like there's an obstruction on the way perhaps or something like that but you wouldn't be too far off in saying that they um they are using this data to feed into an algorithm that uh, constantly changes its constraints to understand more about the environment that they're in um okay so i think we've reached a place in our podcast where we have explored as many facets of pictures and photographs uh we have tried to analyze and delve deeper and make making those like different links between random things that we think connect to um photographs and pictures that we personally found very interesting to explore um so just as a thing that we do before we sort of leave this podcast on a high give me one photo that holds or like describe that one photo that holds a deep connection in your heart so whenever i think of photos that hold value in my heart that hold such kind of emotional um emotional value for me is somehow connected to my family like the last time when i in the home episode when i to- told you about this this diwali ritual that my family has so naturally a photo um actually two photos come into my head 
and both are with my 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 brothers and sisters the first one that came was on the day of sakrant um for people who don't know what sakrant is sakrant is an in indian festival that happens yearly on january 15th when uh, everyone flies kites and and celebrates around it so on that day all of us uh, siblings we were on the the terrace of our house we were all having a good time and then there's a there's a ladder not a staircase like a ladder that that goes on uh from uh from one part of our terrace to the higher level and then on every step of the ladder there was one of us and then my mom captured this picture where every single one of us is on a ladder and there's five of us that photo holds a lot of emotion while well, even though i've not seen this photo for years now and i don't even know if i have the possession of this photo probably some one in my family does but this photo came in and the second one is uh, again with my siblings when we were just moving into our um, new house that we built uh, so it was our house warming celebration and uh, the phone the our phone was lying on the dining table and suddenly she, uh, my my sister was trying to unlock the phone but accidentally she opened the camera so then she just asked everyone to huddle up so and then everyone around the camera in a circle and then she captured that picture it's a very cute picture so these two pictures with my siblings hold a high emotional value to me i think that's very heartwarming i'll quickly share one of my favorite photographs um it was the first time that i was introduced to sev puri for people who don't know sev puri it's a very uh tangy and tasty and very popular indian snack that you normally find um on the streets uh but this time it was me making sev puri at home and i remember i was in my vest in my underwear i was probably like 4 or 5 years old and i was dropping sev puri all over the place but my parents had managed to capture this one very heartwarming precious photograph um to show me when and obviously uh to show me when i am like at on older and um i think it holds a, a really good place in my heart because one it reminds me of how how much and how carefree i was um and how innocent i was when i used to like and it and it helps me like find my um find this idea where i just used to like do anything and just be happy with it so it reminds me to be grateful in like the in like the most little things and thirdly i think like there were so many moments where my parents just reminded me of this photograph and we all were just started laughing and are uh, talking about how cute i was as a baby so i think i think this one uh, really drives home yeah man and what happened you were so cute <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't have save puri anymore that's what happened parv um anyway we we thank all the listeners for listening we we had great input from you guys for the first episode and would like the same on this one finally before leaving i want to leave you with a thought if a picture is worth a thousand words are we losing our ability to tell the story in words 
Are we reducing the ability of our imaginations, making up our individualized versions of the story? With that, I wish you a very happy and joyful Monday. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Hope you guys listen to our next one.